Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Sally Murphy. A bumper week in the sporting world with the America's Cup getting underway, the British and Irish Lions landing in town ahead of their tour, and the Black Caps gearing up for the Champions Trophy in England. But first, let's go to the 35th America's Cup, where Team New Zealand has had a great start, winning six of their seven races. Joining us from Bermuda is Todd Nile, who's covering the event for Radio New Zealand. I asked him what he thought of Team New Zealand's form so far. Well, they have looked pretty impressive, both in light conditions and in heavy, heavier weather. Uh, you know, the, the pedalling system, if you like, that they talk about quite a lot may be contributing to that. The boat turns very quickly. It's, you know, up on its foils more than many of the competitors. And when it tacks, it just snaps sort of 90 degrees, which is partly to do with the power that they have in the system. However, you know, what's happened so far in the contest is all very well. The next two days are really going to be crucial for Team New Zealand in that top-of-the-table battle with Oracle Team USA, where the defender, Oracle, currently is ahead of Team New Zealand only on a bonus point. They've both had six wins, but Oracle carries the bonus point from the World Series. And really to to knock off Oracle from the top of the... Uh, tree if you like uh, team new zealand must beat them and somebody else must beat them in the next couple of days do you think those that pedal power the bikes have actually been an advantage well from outside it's hard to know what is working for the teams the hydraulic system which the pedal grinders if you like drive is a crucial part of these boats the hydraulics control everything that moves, the dagger boards, the rudders, the wings. And you hear from teams such as uh, Frank Kamas from Group Armour, they have struggled sometimes to get enough energy into the system uh, to manoeuvre the boat the way they want to. And they're using on their boat, you know, the traditional, you know, biceps grinder, if you like. So it may be contributing to Team New Zealand's fortune, but there may also be other things in the boat that we're not aware of, such as the design of the dagger boards and things like that. Yeah, with the racing so far, do you think New Zealand will end up in the final with America like the last time around? Or is it too early to say? Well, it's too early to start uh, laying your bets. But what has been clear so far, when you look at the table, when you look at, you know, ignore all the bonus points stuff and look at the wins, you know, Oracle and Team New Zealand clearly are uh, ahead of everybody else. Both have six, six wins. You then go back to... BAR with three wins, uh, Dean Barker, SoftBank in the last two, two. So there's almost two leagues at play in there. So you would imagine that Team New Zealand will come through either top or second, you know, barring disaster from the qualifiers. But from then on, it's a knockout. There's the semifinals and the finals. And if things do go wrong for you in the wrong couple of races, uh, you can be going home. But you'd have to say those two on form so far, are far and away the best teams at the moment. 
What do you think about America's form at the moment? They've obviously been using that one bike at the back every now and then. Has, has there been much talk about that? Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about you know, whether that really is making a difference, whether they've put it in there you know, to try and show that they've also got something. Jimmy Spittle, who's the master of the, you know, the mind game and the talking up, keeps talking about their hybrid system and how well it is working for them. And maybe it is. Maybe it is giving them an extra boost in that hydraulic pressure system. But, you know, uh, that may become obvious on uh, Sunday, New Zealand time, when Oracle and Team New Zealand meet in the last day of the qualifiers, and then we'll we'll get a really good look, uh, you know, with a week of racing or more behind them, how those two teams look together. Yeah, well, Jimmy Spittle has been uh, stirring the pot a bit and talking up a big game. Do you think he's threatened by Team New Zealand? I would say of all the teams, they are most worried uh, by Team New Zealand. Team New Zealand's always been a bit of an innovator, and Team New Zealand is the one that has been in every America's Cup final back, well, apart from the, the funny one that they had with a lingy, uh, you know, going right back to 1995. So it's the team with the track record and it's still the team with the form. And all of the other teams, while they've had good days, haven't shown themselves to be consistently as good as Team New Zealand is. And what about the English? BAR obviously haven't had the best week. Are you surprised by their lack of performance? There's a lot of people who are surprised just how bad it's going. There had already been talk before the first race from looking at them during practice racing, people who were here, saying that they did appear to have uh, you know, a speed problem on the boat, and even Ben Ainsley admits that that sort of talk was around and, and probably correct. They do look to be in trouble. Um, ben Ainsley today, when I spoke to him, said that you know they, the configuration they had on the boat, the dagger boards they were using were probably the best that they had for light conditions, and more light conditions are expected tomorrow. So they may really be struggling to make the sort of impact that a team with the pedigree that he's got and with the budget that they have got, they're one of the big budget teams, uh, I don't really think that they're getting bangs for bucks at the moment. Do you think they'll be the first to get cut, or do you think the French will probably be the first to go? Well, unkindly perhaps, but the money had always been on the French because they've had not a lot of time together. They don't have the depth of experience in these boats. They have a small budget and they've always looked a bit sluggish. And, you know, unless something strange happens in the next couple of days, they are probably going to be the ones to go home. But BAR are far closer to the danger zone. And even Artemis from Sweden, unless they can really pull their socks up in the next two days, are also closer to that zone than many people thought was going to be possible. And what's the atmosphere like in Bermuda? Well, in Bermuda, in this, there's almost two places. There's the Cup Village and there's the rest of Bermuda. The Cup Village is a, is a ferry ride away. It's a sort of slightly sealed off environment. And inside it, of course, are the media and the teams and, and everybody and it's all uh, terribly exciting. When you get back into Bermuda and you get away from the harbour front area, you know, people people are following it, but there's an awful lot of people who aren't. It's not part of everybody's daily life. You know, there are people far more interested in football matches and cricket. Uh, but certainly around the harbour areas where the sailing community and the boats are, there is quite a buzz about the Cup, but it's not everywhere. That's Todd Nile in Bermuda. Team New Zealand race Japan and France tomorrow.
Well, it's finally upon us. The British and Irish Lions have landed. With their first game against the provincial barbarians in Whangarei on Saturday, an almost guaranteed win, the Lions are hoping to put an end to their woeful record during New Zealand tours. The former Lion winger, Welshman JJ Williams, who toured here in 1977, says there's no tour in rugby as tough as New Zealand. He told rugby reporter Joe Porter about what makes Lions tours so special. To go to New Zealand, we knew it was a step up again because uh, New Zealand rugby, is, it's the home of rugby, isn't it? Um, but it's an incredible place to tour because what I always say about New Zealand that uh, whatever games you play, even you, in those days we were playing like 25-odd games and uh, no game is easy, even on a Wednesday up country somewhere where you, you expect to uh, run riot, they would always give you a physical game because there's no such thing as a poor New Zealand rugby player. So it's, it's always difficult. It's the hardest uh, tour you can go on. Yes, obviously only that one success in 1971, uh, the only time the Lions have won a series in, in New Zealand, although they have come close on a few occasions. Uh, what, what is it that makes playing the All Blacks so difficult, and I guess in particular in New Zealand? You think, God, that's the one that got away. How did they beat us? But that's what the All Blacks always do, because I've played against them many times for Wales in Cardiff, and they've always just beat us, and that's what makes the All Blacks so different to any other rugby player in the world, that they have that uh, ineptability to pull it out of the fire when they need it most players, the team in the, the All Black Jersey have that something special that they don't lose. So and that's how I see it going. I consider that if, uh, if the Lions can win this series, it'll be the greatest uh, uh, series win by the British Lions ever, but uh, I can't see it happening. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of your memories from that 77 tour. Do you have any particular sort of anecdotes or, or off-field tales that you remember well, from, from those tours? <laughs> you know, it's, it, what's so difficult about touring New Zealand that there's no escape, is there? You know, there's no escape on and off the field. If you go into a shop, there's a, the, the waitress there will say, look, JJ, you can't kick off your left foot or something like that. They're so knowledgeable on the game, there's no escape on it, you know. And, of course, some of the newspapers on the Sunday were really difficult. I remember we played a game in Wellington. It was a shockingly wet game. And there's Fran Cotton, the famous English prop. There's a huge photograph of him on the... Sunday newspaper covered in mud, on the front of the line, and he's, he's not the best looking of guys anyway, covered in mud, and the headline was, ladies lock up your children, this man is in town the next day, and this is what it is in New Zealand, <laughs> and Franny was going, I cannot believe what they've just shown, but I said, this is New Zealand, there's no escape out here, mate, it's on and off the field, it's pressure. And did you used to socialise with the All Blacks after the games, did you go into well, the change rooms, have arm wrestles, or you know, jug skull races, or anything like that? <laughs> Come on, Joe, there's 32 of us away for uh, 15 weeks. What do you think? You know, <laughs> you go in a place like Vangaree, and, you know, I remember uh, by then the weather had been bad and we were having a hard time. We, a lot of the boys are homesick. I remember one day they almost burnt the hotel down. They put, there was a big polystyrene, um, big polystyrene uh, poster that welcomed the Lions. I remember Bobby Windsor, the Porter Pool hooker breaking it all up and setting fire in the middle of the hotel and the hotel manager oh my goodness you know can you imagine that happening nowadays you know? <laughs> oh, imagine that. yeah well i guess you were blood brothers back then there was no other option yeah well we became very close and that's what happens you know uh, there's a guy called wacker nathan who's a famous all black uh, wing forward back in the 60s he was a rep or, or area manager for one of the, the the local beers and they they sponsored the tour so wherever we went we had loads of beer in our team room. They seemed to think that's all we wanted to do was drink, but that wasn't the case. But, of course, that kind <laughs> after matches, we would have parties, you know. But uh, <laughs> And in those days also, Joe, uh, we weren't, that's how amateur it was, that uh, we, yeah. weren't, we weren't allowed to have one bottle of wine after a meal between four people oh. only. Yeah, and, and, and in those days, 
we weren't allowed, we had to drink New Zealand wine. Now, back in the 70s, New Zealand wine wasn't what it is nowadays. It was oh. all the German <laughs> wines. And when we would ask for a German wine, they'd go, oh, no, you've got to drink this New Zealand stuff, which was like vinegar. <laughs> and that's what it was. We were playing in front of 60,000 people, yet they wouldn't give us a good bottle of wine. Oh, the stingy buggers. For the love of the yeah. game, for the love of the game. Yeah, but it was, you know, when we look back at it, and said, oh, you know, we loved it. And whenever we meet up, we talk about the, the Lions tours in South Africa and New Zealand. And the great great moments for young men. And it wasn't about money those days. It was all about pride and pitching yourself against the best and trying to win a game. And even though I scored a lot of tries for the Lions, in fact, I'm the second highest try score in the Lions rugby, all my tries, only one try I had against uh, New Zealand was in 77 in that second test. And I regard that as my most precious try I've scored. Former Lion JJ Williams speaking to Joe Porter. The Black Cats will have to hit the ground running if they're to advance beyond pool play when they begin their Champions Trophy one-day tournament against Australia in Birmingham tonight. The competition is divided into two pools of four, with the top two sides in each group advancing to the semi-finals. The Black Cats pool also features hosts and tournament favourites England and Bangladesh. In warm-up matches earlier this week, the Black Cats were beaten by India but enjoyed a good win over Sri Lanka. Black Cats coach Mike Hesson told sports editor Stephen Hewson the loss to India was a huge wake-up call. first one against India certainly um, was, a, was a timely reminder from a batting point of view of uh, you know making sure we do the hard work before we perhaps go a little bit harder and that's, um, that's something that you, know, you can fall into when there's a lot of talk about you know, scores at 3.30, 3.50 being sort of par. So that was a good learning for us. And you've had a, a bit of a look at Birmingham, which is obviously where you, you're going to be playing Australia. How do you see things shaping up there conditions-wise? We were fortunate to actually play on a surface, albeit sort of 30 metres to one side um, of the, the pitch we're playing on. At least um, I think the pitch will be similar, so that certainly provided us some, some experience in those conditions. Um, and from a bowling point of view, it was... It was good to see what was, you know, what you were able to get out of the surface, and obviously protecting certain parts of the park was was a good experience as well. Jeetan Patel was he able to, to give you some local knowledge? Yeah, he certainly got plenty of local knowledge. Yeah, he does. Um, he's obviously played many games here, and, and you know, talking to the grounds and talking to Jeets, they produced the wickets the same way for county cricket as they do for international cricket. So. Um, he's certainly got some good insight for us. And you've got a bit of a, a selection, I mean, the biggest selection, almost interesting one, might be who's going to partner Martin Guptill at, at, as, as opening bat. Where, where are things sitting there? Yeah, it's interesting. We've sort of had a few niggles with both. Um, you know, we, we kind of haven't been able to play out that as, as we'd like with, with injuries. So, um, you know, both Tom and, and Luke have, have had a game off in these two games, um, and they've both been able to play one with, with a variety of little issues so um, look they're both in good form um, we're, we're obviously not going to talk about the team um, here um, but we're, we're pretty comfortable with, with who's going to who's going to open the batting at the moment it's a, Is it much of an issue I mean neither of them has had a good run against Australia in ODIs have they? I don't think many people do to be fair Stephen um, it's a, you know they're a tough side and you know when we play them obviously they're pretty fiercely competitive and, and the new ball at the top is always the toughest but We've still averaged over 40 as an open combination against in the last few years. So, um, obviously, Martin's been a big part of that. Um, and whoever we go with, um, you know, we're confident that they can they can set the tone for us. These tournaments, too, key to get off to a, a winning start, create a bit of a role, can't it? It can be, it can be so important in, in such a, a short format. 
Look, that's the way we look at it rather than when you've got three games, uh, you know, rather looking that you can't afford a slip up. I think it's more the fact that if you do get on a roll, um, you know, you can be hard to beat like any other side. So, um, you know, that first game against Australia is obviously very important for us um, in a pool that's um, particularly challenging with England in there as well, obviously, uh, who are probably deemed as tournament favourites, I'd suggest. This tournament, have you got a feel as to whether bat's going to dominate or, or, or spin? I mean, it lasted a few tournaments. There's been a, been a sort of, I suppose, a, a flow as to, to what was going to dominate. Did, did you get a sense ahead of this tournament? Well, just, um, I guess, the last two seasons in particular in England, the, the scoring, um, you know, the scores have been high, um, and in some instances very high, so the closer to 400 than 300. So, um, it's look, they produce very good services. Outfields are quick. Um, you know, grounds aren't big. So um, I think if you're not taking wickets, then you're going to be chasing large scores, and that's um, you know I would think that's the way that the tournament's going to pan out. Black Cats coach Mike Hesson talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. The Silver Ferns defender Anna Harrison has announced her retirement from international netball. Harrison wore the black dress in 88 tests, including two Netball World Cups and three Commonwealth Games, in a career which spanned over a decade. Harrison told Stephen Hewson retiring wasn't an easy decision, but the time is right for her young family. Yeah, it's all pretty recent um, for people to find out, but for me and obviously my husband in particular, it's been something I've been talking about and mulling over for a while, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, um, but yeah, got there in the end. You came into the side as a, as a 19-year-old, the, and what, you're 30, 34 now. What would the, the 34-year-old Anna Harrison say to the 19-year-old Anna Harrison coming into the squad, if you were able to give her some advice? Oh, advice to myself would be to seek out personal development and make sure that um, you're utilising strengths and enhancing um, growing weaknesses from an early age. I think there's a lot of things that I could have done differently and could have taken me in different directions or resulted in different things but I lost without learning and yeah if you could do it again there's a few things I'd tweak. Any that spring to mind? I think um, communication is probably my best one. I, I'm quite a um, strong-minded athlete in the sense that I really need to understand and I'm not afraid to voice that and at times it can be come out, come out wrong and you can upset people so um, yeah communication will be the one that comes to mind the most. What, what your forthright? Yeah, I can be a little bit, which I don't mean to be. Sometimes I do, sometimes it just comes out wrong. So, yeah, I have a high standard um, for myself and always wanting to be better and, and, and it's quite easy for that to come across the wrong way. How tough was it developing a, a netball career coming from the West Coast? Well, it's not something I planned and um, I, was, um, I guess I took opportunities when they arose. Um, I played at in Karamea with, with our local team and travelled through to Westport and I made bullerets and I thought I was pretty awesome at the time and then I went to boarding school in Christchurch and I wasn't so awesome, didn't make any top teams until my fifth form year. Oh no, I was still in the B team in fifth form. Um, so it was sixth or seventh form I was in my, um, yeah, the top of the school team. and So I was a late bloomer, it wasn't really until I went to Otago and played some a year of club that Lois Muir picked me up for the Rebels and, and it was a... The year of 2002 was um, a rocket ride from making a franchise team to the Silver Ferns, so that's definitely the biggest year in my what, life, probably. What, what changed? <laughs> what changed over that period? What, what made you 
that player in, in such a short space of time? I guess opportunities. Um, people recognise something that was there they could work with and um, I've always been someone that loves to learn and that's where my questioning comes in because I want to understand and grow and put it into practice. So um, getting in environments where people are giving, feeding me the information allows me to, and just allowed me to really grow and flourish. So again, it was falling to path of the right people. Um, strength and conditioning coach Rob Nicholl was a massive part of that for me too in terms of getting me strong enough in that first year in particular. So yeah, there's a few people to thank along the way. You get to walk away with what uh, uh, the Harrison Hoist named after you. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm very proud about that. It was um, I've never actually called it the Harrison Hoist. We call it the Lift. So it's it's yeah, a privilege to have something like that. It's a shame it got banned. <laughs> so you can't quite do it the same. It's um, something that you couldn't do that often in the game, but it just made it a little bit more exciting to play and call within the game and and assuming for spectators as well. So. Yeah, I always wanted to goaltend on my own, but being lifted was the next best thing. Have you, have you got any, anything in, li- in mind that you might like to do? I mean, what what does appeal? Well, the first and foremost, it's um, been the mum, and that's, again, one of the reasons that I've um, called time on the international scene is the kids are just um, such cool age, and uh, if, you know, every parent that you run into talks about how quickly the time goes, so... I want to make the most of that, so I'm not going to jump into anything that's going to be taking me away from them for too long. Um, the coaching is something I've considered, uh, maybe commentating, but I have no idea how I would go at that, and yeah, yeah, all that kind of thing. But I'm confident that doors will open as this one closes on a very long chapter of netball. Anna Harrison talking to Stephen Hewson. That wraps up Extra Time for another week. Make sure you check out our website, rnz.co.nz, where we've got up-to-date coverage of the America's Cup and the Lions Tour. Have a good one. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.